Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the In the Beginning podcast. I'm here with my friend Joe Turk from South Carolina. And uh, today we are talking about, uh, obviously, the big elephant in the room. Um, We're going to be talking about tithing and giving and whether or not that is for today. Uh, George, since we're talking about the elephant in the room, I have something someone gave me I don't need anymore. I wanted to give it as a kind of a love offering to the Oh, church. that's very kind. So I actually have an elephant to give you. I um, gave that to, to you. You did? Yeah. Well, then why don't I just keep it as a love offering back from you? That's perfect. Well, just that's, that's great. Sounds great. Never mind. Sounds <laughs> You know, if there's any subject that everyone loves to talk about in the church, it's money. Um, because it doesn't make anyone uncomfortable. It doesn't make anyone feel out of place whatsoever. And at the end of the day, yeah. it's just, it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing. You know, it makes, it makes everything happy. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy things that make you happy. So it's kind of the same thing, you know, but you know, money in the church, it's a funny thing because it is probably, it's one of those things that it's an, it's an absolute necessity because life doesn't go on without some sort of exchange. And today we use, currency to do that and um but at the same time uh it you know it has been uh, used and abused and uh, mistreated in a lot of different ways uh from from churches to families to people giving wonderfully and people giving not so wonderfully um so there's a just a yeah. lot of confusion around it um there's a lot of argument around it and there's some you know there's, there's people who have left there's people who have left my church because of uh, uh just the idea of of tithing even though as a pastor I don't know who gives in my church. I make a point not to know who gives in my church because it should, it doesn't matter to me. The only person who actually knows is a, is our bookkeeper and she's she's not going to tell anybody. But the the idea is that we're not talking about um have tos and we're not talking about, you know, saved or unsaved. We're talking about a practice in Christian life. And whether or not that's that's, right. that's for today. And that's a, that's an that's a, I think that's a better question is is this for today? Um so a couple of qu- a couple of things we'll do. We're both going to be sharing uh, some things on this. I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about the uh, uh, the biblical application of tithing, kind of where it comes from, the history. Joe's going to be talking about first fruits, and because uh, I don't know much about that, so I'm interested to to, to learn more about that today. Um, I kind of kept myself from from studying more about it because I wanted to hear your I want to hear your views. Um, so uh, let me take a quick look at, at my notes and kind of what I did uh, uh, here today. And if, I, if I can quickly just interject, you know, I think yeah. what you said is the key. I think that's a great way to set it up. It's not about, you know, because as we get into this, you know, when we talk about tithes, we talk about first fruits, and we talk about offerings. Um, a lot of times we'll say, you know, I'm seeing people that not only dishonor God, they speak out against God, yeah. be completely prosperous in their businesses, um, not have any problems, you know, and in, in and, and here I am, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm tithing, and I feel like I'm encountering um, issues, or I feel like I don't have enough, or things like that. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but you hear some say that. I mean, it's if you read through the Psalms, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, a lot of times it's like, look at all these, you know, evil people that are prospering. Look at all these evil people that are, are, are basically, they don't seem to be being held accountable, but... Yep. This is really an application for the Christian life. It's what, yeah. you know, as we look at the the title of this podcast, I know what the Bible says, but. And it's really a focus on what are we called to do in the word? How are we called to steward what God gives us? We certainly know yeah. um, that everything is from the Lord. And so what's our responsibility? So I like that you said, you know, as a Christian, because that really is what it boils down to. 
Yeah, because it's it's used it's it's used in so many different ways. I mean, people who misuse the the teaching of tithing is it's yes. it becomes a formula for wealth, and that's like it's got that's it's got, tithing has nothing to do with wealth. It can can lead to different blessings. So there's no guarantee of being rich in you know anywhere in, anywhere in scripture. But there, there's this there's this idea there's this battle going on in between different different groups. You know, just like any other group in the world, Christianity has formed its own little camps and views in different areas, and it, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I mean, no. it's uh, I, I tend to look at it that as long as we can all agree on the core things, then you know, work out the details as as the spirit leads leads you, and just just be okay with that. But this this idea that um, it's not so much uh, the the debate is not whether or not tithing is biblical, because you can't read scripture and not run into tithing. Um, whether you're a New Testament or Old Testament person it doesn't make any difference. It's there on both sides. the The question is is whether or not it's for today, and that's a that's a, a different different argument because it 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 means that God changed His mind about something between. You know, but pre Jesus and after Jesus, like somehow this thing about giving a certain percentage of your of your of your um, uh, of your income or however you want to look at it uh, was only for one period of time, but it's not for another period of time, and that's a different type of conversation. Um, but it's not one that most people get into. Most people get into the conversation of whether or not this is actually biblically mandated for today versus the mandate. Um, that it was there, uh, that it was there in the Old Testament. So this, this idea, um, boy, it's, uh, I, I know what I want to, what, where I want to uh, go and, and hit it, but I'm trying, see, I'm trying to do something new with my life. I'm trying to be di- tr- more diplomatic and a little bit more, a little bit well, less, nice. less, less harsh. Um, but I'm really bad at it because my natural tendency is just to go for the throat and get it over with. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, well, why don't you establish? <laughs> let's establish um, the furthest instance back we see it. Let's establish yeah. the foundation, and then once we go into that, I'm going to talk about the first fruits as you mentioned, and then we can transition it over to the New Testament because yeah. both of those things are going to be applicable. And then I do think it pays. And I know where you're going. I know where your congratulations on uh, you know holding back, George. I know where you want to go with it because there are people just like people that mangle scriptures for their own doctrine, for their own benefit, for their Mm -hmm. own game. Um, There are um, people that mangle scriptures around giving and offering and all that. So we, we do want to address that. Uh, But let's, let's uh, go ahead and and kick us off with the foundation. Yeah. So here's, yeah. So here's some of the, some of the interesting ideas. So um, the, the the most common way that I have heard this, this debate is, Handle or the question uh, given is: Are the New Testament believers bound to the Old Testament tithe? That's typically how I hear it presented, and it's 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 important to understand how someone is phrasing a question if you really want to understand what they're asking. So, in this particular view, when people say, "Are New Testament believers bound to the Old Testament tithe?" implied in that question is that there are two standards. That there is that there is a behavioral standard for the Old Testament. That there is a behavioral standard for the New Testament. Now, myself, I don't agree with that at all. So the, the first thing I deal with is the is the the phrasing within that question because the idea uh, there's this this interesting thing. So you think the New Testament and the Old Testament did not exist until the uh, the Bible was basically translated into to, to modern tongue. 
God did not break up Old Testament, New Testament. We broke up Old Testament, New Testament, and we did it for reference purposes. So basically it's pre-Christ, post-Christ. But what we have done, especially over the last few hundred years, is we have separated out these two time frames as though that God existed in one way in the Old Testament and he existed another way in the New Testament. And that is just not the case. You know, I like to point out that uh, if you think about the Gospels, the Gospels are not the beginning of something new. The Gospels are the conclusion of the original promise. The Gospels more so belong connected to the Old Testament than they do the New Testament because they're the fulfillment of the promise. So this this idea that, that the character of God and his expectation on people were different before and after Christ is is a, is a difficult one. So if you believe that, and this is just my personal personal view, people are going to argue against this, and that's fine. If you believe that tithing is not a New Testament thing, then what you're saying is that God's standard for um, for his people is different today than it was back then. So he held Old Testament believers to a different standard than he holds us to, and that's actually not the case. The only real difference between us and them is that we have to have our faith in Christ, not, and uh, they had to have their faith in a process. So, and, you know, let me interject that because um, you used a key word there. The standard did not change; the process mm-hmm. changed, right? The exactly. standard of being accountable for your sins, of having to have restitution for your sins. Exactly. The standard of a unblemished Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. Right, carries over into Christ as the Passover lamb. But the standard yep. hasn't changed. God just made a way, prophesied in, throughout the Old Testament, fulfilled with the coming of Christ, yep. of of what how there would be a one-time um, for all sacrifice for that Levitical law. Right? And so exactly. the standard yeah. never changed. Yeah, and when people say, "Well, Jesus came to fulfill the law," so the law, you know, so all that Old Testament stuff is is no longer applicable. So the standards that God had for His people in the Old Testament are no longer the standards He has today, and and that is extraordinarily problematic. Uh, and in in my opinion, most of the proof texts that are used for that are not very supportive of that. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, one of the primary um, New Testament scriptures that is used. To uh, against the tithe, and to be to be clear, a tithe simply means a tenth. So a tithe is a tenth of any increase that you have. So if you didn't have it yesterday and you have it today, that is an increase. Okay, uh, it's not. Um, you know, if you bought a house for a hundred thousand dollars and you hold and you sold it for a hundred and fifty, the increase is not a hundred and fifty. The increase is fifty. So I mean, that's that's, that's the cool. idea. That's the blessing. So. It's just a tenth of that. So the the idea is uh, God no longer requires a tenth. He just requires us to give as our heart is uh, uh, determines. So the the most common proof text for that is Second Corinthians chapter nine. Let me put that up here real quick. I know I have it in here. Uh, where is it? Um, I did not put it in here. Oh well, okay. So I'll I'll, I'll read it anyway. Verse five. So it says, therefore, though it necessary to exhort the brethren to uh, go a, to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, uh, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity, not as a, a grudging obligation. Okay, so it's generosity, not a grudging obligation. Uh, obligation. So, um, so verse six says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. 
for God loves a cheerful giver. So what happens is that people take that particular section of scripture and say, see, we don't tithe anymore. We, um, we give as we, uh, as we have a burden in our heart as God speaks us. So the tithe is no longer for today. And although they're reading that portion of scripture correctly, they're also reading it incredibly wrong because they're forgetting the context of the, of the scriptures because this is not talking about giving in church. This is not talking about the, the, the tithe whatsoever. It's talking about an offering. It's talking about a gift given from the, the church in Corinth to the church in Macedonia. So they had promised to send a gift of support. And Paul is talking about this. He's not talking about regular giving at all. He's talking about the gift of generosity. And that points out the difference between a tithe and an offering. And we need to know that those are two very different things. And you cannot hold uh, people accountable to the same standard when you're dealing with a tithe or an offering. So to 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 use scriptures like this, which is very very common, uh, is is just mistreating scripture because it's not what that section is dealing with. Um, now we should still give, and we should still give very generously. But what people don't want to do is put a percentage on it. You know, people like John MacArthur, they don't like the idea of the tithe. They like the idea of people just being generous. Um, they said the tithe is is Old Testament. Um, and the, the problem is the tithe is Old Testament and it is part of the law, but it also predates the law. And that's the issue. So when we talk about the character of God and the, st- the standards for his people, when we talk about the standards that God put in, put in place for his people through the Old Testament, we cannot forget that there are certain things that actually predate the nation of Israel. Uh, and, and although the Old Testament focuses on the on the nation of Israel. Israel is not the only thing in the Old Testament, and there are there are standards that God has put in place that predate Israel. Um, so uh, Deuteronomy fourteen, Leviticus twenty seven, um, when God uh, tells them about the the tithe at Mount Sinai, when he's when he's basically saying, you know, the the the, the tithe of the land is holy to the holy to the Lord. Um, these are all things that are absolutely part of the Old Testament. But because they predate the Mosaic Covenant, they weren't established in Israel. They were simply attached to Israel. You know, they already existed and God basically taking a, a, a standard that existed before the nation of Israel and letting the, the nation of Israel know that this also applies to you and it is going to apply in a more strict way. So the, not only am I telling you that the tithe belongs to me, I'm telling you that it's holy and that it is it is not something you bring willingly it is mine and by keeping it you are stealing from me and this becomes this becomes very important because when we say that the tithe was part of the mosaic covenant and because we're not part of the mosaic covenant today we're no longer bound to the tithe it is a completely inaccurate statement because it predates it how can i say that I can say that because I read the book of Genesis Genesis 14 18 to 18 to uh, um, 18 to through 20, uh, right here. Yeah, let's see. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was, a, he was the priest of God Most High. And that is the line that you have to, you have to really pay attention to. He was priest of God Most High. So, first thing off the bat, there was formalized temple worship of God before Israel. That's there. Now, to say, no, there wasn't, is to say that that's not what this means. If he was known as a priest of God Most High, 
then there was a formalized degree of temple worship of God, the God we worship, pre-Israel. So Israel is not the only iteration of worship and, and dedication to God that existed in time. They are simply the people group that God chose to bring about his promise. And, and scripture dictates that. It shows us that. So there are things that predate Israel. So we have to figure out what those are. And one of those things is the tithe. So, uh, so he says he was priest of God most high and he blessed him, meaning Abraham, uh, blessed, uh, blessed be Abraham of, uh, of God most high, professor of heaven and earth, a uh, possessor Professor. of heaven and earth. Yeah, sorry, professor. Yeah, God and his PhDs. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand and he gave him a tithe of all. So, so here's a couple things. Um, obviously, like I said, there was some form of temple worship that existed before the nation of Israel. Uh, and we know that for a couple different reasons. One, we know that Melchizedek was priest of God most high, but we also know that Abraham understood who God was. He understood the character and nature of God and he, he, he knew who he was worshiping. God didn't just reveal himself to Abraham in the desert and be like, oh, by the way, you have no idea who I am, but I made all this. That was not it. Abraham knew who God was. He knew the character and nature of God, and he knew what it meant to worship God. I mean, all of those things were there. The only way that happens if there was, is if there was a, a prearranged, an already existing form of worship where he could learn and understand. Now, we don't know if there were any writings back then because they're all lost. You know, or if it was just oral, we don't, we don't know, but we do know that it existed and that the tithe existed in that time. So it and was, that Abraham knew to give that tithe to the priest of God most high. Yes. Right? And so there was a, you know, um, it's, it's almost, I don't want to, it's not matter of fact, but it's almost matter of fact in that. There was something already established that why yeah. Abraham just went ahead and gave Melchizedek a tithe of his increase. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it was the spoils of a uh, the spoils of, of a battle. Now the 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 other thing is you got to remember in this particular passage. Um, let me put that back up one more time. It does not say he gave him a portion. It doesn't say he gave him an offering. It specifically uses the word tithe so that is a form of uh, of obedience within worship that is that is not just simply um you know an, an amount because they could have very easily said and he gave him uh you know a a, a a portion of his of his you know loot or whatever it very specifically uses temple language the tithe so this predates the nation of israel and we need to remember that because if it predates the nation of Israel, then the standards within Israel don't necessarily apply. Now, um, so for for example, what people say is because the law was given to, to Israel uh, on Sinai and afterwards, and that the tithe was part of the law, because we are not under the law anymore, those things no longer apply. Now that sounds good until you really start thinking about it. Because what else was given to the nation of Israel at Sinai that was part of the Mosaic Covenant? The Ten Commandments. Okay, so now let's 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 see something. Um, just, just some some basic some basic ideas. Um, so, is it okay to steal today? 
We're not under the law. I don't see if I need it and they have it. I don't see why I can't take it because I'm not under the law today. So are, are we saying that stealing is bad today? And even though it was bad then. Okay, so let's move on to another one. What about adultery? I mean, to today, today, I mean, if we just have consensual relations, it's not like I'm under the law anymore and we're adults, right? So why can't I just sleep with anyone who, who's willing to sleep with me? And it goes beyond that because if yeah. you're going to say that, Jesus ended up making a, a matter of the heart, right? You, you've exactly. heard of adultery, but I tell yes. you, if you even look at a woman lustfully yeah. committed adultery, he likened hatred to murder. And yep. so, and, and Paul says, I would not know sin, but by the law. So right. the law is, Paul calls it the schoolmaster, right? Yep. The tutor that leads him to Christ. And so it very much has a, has a place there. Um, and, I think the interesting thing here, too, is it's not even just that we can predate tithing before the Mosaic law. Yep. We also can see Jesus talking about it specifically when he walked the earth. And so I'd like to, George, if it's okay, exactly. can we put that verse up? Because I'd like to speak to that. Yep. Uh, I think what we do here is let's establish it yeah. in the uh, New Testament as well and then go back yep. and talk about um, one other part. Okay, uh, you want you want to go back and and kind of hit the uh, uh, hit the idea of of Malachi. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Once we've established that the tithe is absolutely yeah. All, so for all yeah. Time. So we see we see this, the tithe legitimized through the life of Abraham pre Israel, mm-hmm. and now we have mm-hmm. the, the the time of Jesus, and this is in Luke eleven. That's right. So, but woe to you Pharisees. For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice. And the love of God pass by mm-hmm. justice and the love of God. You ought to have done these. You ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So let's break exactly. this down a minute. So they're tithing mint and rue and all manner of herbs. I mean, anybody that's ever had an herb garden or used any kind of spice or herb or anything, think about how tiny and minuscule some of that is. Yeah. But the Pharisees acknowledged that even those growing were a form of a crop of harvest of increase. And so they were going to the minute detail of making sure that they tithed every little increase, even in the spices. It would be the equivalent today of, you know, I find a dollar on the street and I need to make sure that I give God 10 cents. Well, geez, I mean, you just found it's not, it's so small. No, no, no. They went through everything, but Jesus doesn't (coughs) say that that was wrong. They weren't doing justice and the love of God. They were not doing other versions say, but you have not done it in love. And you should have done these. You ought to have done without Mm -hmm. leaving the others undone. In other words, you should keep tithing, but you have to tithe in love. You have to tithe in justice. That's correct. And so, so the other thing, and this will kind of dovetail right into George, some of the things you were saying on the mosaic law, if not for today is there is an argument sometimes that'll say, well, technically, Joe, that's still Old Testament or Old Covenant. We'll use a covenant because Jesus hadn't died on the cross. The one time sacrifices, the Passover lamb hadn't been fulfilled. So he said that before, mm-hmm. but now it's changed. And of course, you know, I, I love the, the when we say Old Covenant and New Covenant because it's really the same covenant. Gentiles exactly. just got grafted in. In fact, Romans give us a wonderful picture yep. of being grafted into the promise and so people will say, but that, again, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. That hadn't been fulfilled, so it doesn't count. And my answer to that is very, very simple and straightforward, similar to what you talked about with the Mosaic Law. Okay, 
He talked to Jesus talked about it before he died. Mm-hmm. Now he's died and we don't have to pay attention to that. Just do me a favor for clarity reasons. Tell me what else I don't have to listen to that Jesus said before he died. Tell me what yeah. else I can ignore that Jesus taught about, that Jesus mm-hmm. exemplified, that Jesus, um, you know, admonished us to do before he died. And the answer is it's none of it. It was it, it, obviously that's a, that's a, it's a goofy question, but it, it kind of shows the craziness of saying, well, because he talked about it pre-cross, it doesn't count. And the yeah. bottom line is, is that as you stated in the beginning, as we've established, even if you say, okay, it's, it's pre-mosaic law, which would be enough to say it's for all time, because again, it wasn't based on that. We now have Jesus talking about it when he came. And so it's without taking some scriptures out of context, like we talked about, without really coming to um, an assumption that isn't founded on anything, it's hard to even think that the tithe isn't always for always and continues today without any change whatsoever. Yeah, it's it it, and there's some there's some language that God uses, especially like in Malachi that we'll get to here in a second. Yeah. That that I I cannot just simply uh, ig- ignore because of the uh, uh, the way God phrases it. I mean, there there are certain things that are that do change. Like we don't sacrifice bulls on 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 the altar today because that is a practice that has gone away. But then there are principles that are timeless. They extend beyond uh, beyond any generation. They they apply to every uh, every application of God's uh, um, uh, uh, God's committing Himself to, uh, uh, to to mankind and us committing ourselves to Him. They're just things He expects, and it's not it's not about getting; it's about obedience and about trusting Him within it. And when it comes to the tithe specifically, when you think about Malachi, and this is where everyone you know ends up ends up going, and that's that's okay. Um, but when you think about this, Malachi chapter three, mm-hmm. eight through twelve says, "Will a man rob God?" Well, he says, "But but you have robbed me." So th- this is where I get stuck when when people say this isn't for today. And so, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. So there's both. Tithes is 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 one thing. Offerings is a, is is another another form of giving, and there are two different things. So when we think about giving out of the abundance of our heart, as opposed to giving giving out of obedience to God, those are two very distinctive things. Um, so the question that I keep coming back to is this one right here: Will a man rob God? And God says, "You have robbed me." So the question is. On Friday afternoon, if I were to withhold my tithe, I would be robbing from God. But Sunday afternoon, if I'm withholding my tithe, I'm fine? Do you understand what I'm saying? So Friday before Jesus dies on the cross, suddenly in, in God's eyes, I'm a thief. He says robbed. I'm a thief. Now suddenly Sunday afternoon, same action... I'm fine. I don't see that as being tenable in the area of our faith. I think if God is going to call something something theft, then it is always theft. You know, I mean, is is there is there a yeah. way where adultery is suddenly not adultery? No, because God has declared the action to be wrong. So suddenly we take this thing um, that God has has 
applied to his people through all time, all the way back to to uh, Cain and Abel, all the way back to the very beginning. We see offerings taking place. And uh, we see the difference, and I'll get to Cain and Abel here in a little bit, and the difference between their two offerings. There's one specific difference, um, but that 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 main piece that it has it has always been theft, that we're not not giving, but that we're holding back something that doesn't belong to us, and that's that I think is is the difference. So when God says the tithe is holy to me, it belongs to Him. Uh, I like the way uh, I like the way Robert Morris said this. Is we do not give the tithe; we bring it. So you can only give what's yours. The tithe doesn't belong to us. We're simply bringing back to God what He has declared His, and that's how we don't rob. We 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 don't rob God by giving Him back what belongs to Him. When we hold back what belongs to Him, we're robbing God. And so, and that's and, and that's a great point, George. Because again, um, you know, if, if it's ours, how could be we stealing it, right? Exactly, it, exactly. But the interesting thing is the two parts here, because and that's kind of why I wanted to establish the the New Testament one first, yep. because once we've done that, now we look at the the consequences. We look at how God views it. Um, once we've established tithing, and <coughs> not just that. You have robbed me in tithes and and offerings. offerings. So there's a part a part where okay, this ten percent is God's. It's not ours to begin with. We're bringing it. We're not giving it. Yeah. But also, um, our accountability with what He has provided for us with that provision. There's an expectation to be done with the right heart, to be done in the right way. And yep. and I do think that when we talk about Cain and Abel, that's going to be a great example of that. Yep. But to also bring offerings to. I mean, for the edification yeah. of, to help God's people, to help people in need. Yep. Um, I mean, we are, um, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, I mean, you look at um, in the New Testament where it says, you know, true religion is this, to help widows and orphans, right? It is this using the resources God has given you to help people in need that God puts on your heart, um, giving out of a good heart unto yep. the Lord. And so it's really interesting, you know, I mean, that it's God is saying would you rob me? I mean, yeah. that is, I mean, if, uh, you know, the severity of that is, is amazing. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And that, that idea when, uh, just before that, I think it was in verse six, um, God says, uh, I'm for, I'm the Lord. I do not change. Therefore you are not destroyed. Uh, it says, you know, you, you have, you have robbed me. And they're like, how have we robbed you? Now God says he does not change. His standards do not change. So the the application does not change, and if you if, I mean you think about this, you know just real quickly way back in in, in Genesis when Cain and Abel brings their offering, um, Cain brought an offering. George, why don't we put that up? You have that yeah. as one of the slides. Um, I don't. Or... No, I don't because oh, I'm stupid. Oh no, wait, yes I do. Ha no, ha! <laughs> <laughs> look at that. So, I do have it. I didn't. So, I, didn't look. Uh, I know because I sent you this one. So yeah. Um, Let's speak to this because, again, and, and in the yeah. process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock yep. and their fat. Now, we're going to use yeah. this to transition into first fruits, but then we're going to come back around to some yeah. things on tithing as well. So um, Abel also brought of the firstborn of yeah. his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and yeah. his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering and Cain was very angry 
and his countenance fell. Now, yeah. as you were just saying, George, let's talk about the why God did not respect Cain and his offering. Yeah, so you got you got this idea. So Abel Abel brings brings the offering to God before he takes for himself. Cain brought something when he felt like it. You know, like after and and it gives you the impression that he was kind of like, well, I've got enough in my barns, so I guess I can give some to God. He just brought an offering of some of the fruit of the ground. Fine. Abel brought the first. He brought he 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 brought he brought the first. So before I even take basically before I even take for myself, I'm bringing you the best that I have. I'm bringing you the first. I don't even know what's going to come later. But I'm trusting that you are going to provide for me in this process. And he brings the offering first and foremost to God. That is the primary difference between those two. Cain brought something. Absolutely. Abel brought brought the first and the best. You know, and and it's it, it's and that's the difference. Absolutely. When we have taken our fill, and then God gets what's left, it's it's, it's not an acceptable offering. It's supposed to yeah. Yeah, right. it's supposed to be done in faith. And if you have all you need and you're not lacking in anything, everything else is just extra, it's not it's not an offering. You know, you're basically you're you're giving God your garbage before it goes bad in your fridge. You know, that's that's not the way it works. Uh it's supposed to be You know what? This may cost me later, but here here you go. That that's the well, idea. Well, it's a it's a great transition into let's talk about first fruits because there is a what you just said is key. I love when we do this without planning it. You say something in <laughs> a trend. So it's, 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 he was trusting God. And so God, and this is pre-Mosaic law, right? This is the beginning of the, of, yep. of humankind on earth. Yep. And, but, but Abel knew to bring the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So if you're bringing the firstborn, right? That's not your whole flock. You haven't, you right. haven't had the whole flock. The very first thing that's born, or the very first harvest that you get, maybe it's sheaths of grain or something. I think I said that right. She- sheets, anyway, um, of grain. Um, you're bringing it as a form of trust, and so yeah. sometimes, and I do think that God, it's not that He, we have to give Him the first ten percent. The first ten percent is just His, but right. it oftentimes gets confused with first fruits because first fruits um, is different than a tithe. And and I'll, and I'll say this to start, and then we'll go through and we'll establish it. If you bring God the first fruits of a harvest of the firstborn um, of those things, you don't know what your harvest is going to be yet. So you can only tithe 10% when you know the increase. How can I tithe 10% on a number I don't know? Mm-hmm. So, but giving first fruits to God establishes that He is the provider of all. He is the one that creates it all, that gives it to you. He is responsible for it 100%. We are only stewards of it. And, in fact, in, in the Old Testament, it even says the Lord gives us the ability to produce wealth. So I can't even I can't even do something to produce wealth without the Lord first giving me the ability. And so we talk about um, first fruits and how that works. So, George, I'm going to have you put a couple of scriptures up. Yep. Um, let's do um, uh, the one in Nehemiah 10 first, if we can do that. I think it's Nehemiah oh. 10. Oh, wait a minute. There we go. There we go. Okay, and we're just going to go through these, and then we'll talk about it. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all our fruit of all our trees year by year to the house of the Lord. Um, now go ahead and go to Deuteronomy eighteen, and Deuteronomy eighteen says that 
the first fruits of your grain and your new wine and your oil and the first of the fleece of your sheep you shall give to him. Um, we're going to go, um, let's do Ezekiel 44. And so the best of all the first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priest. And you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Now, I'm going to do one more Old Testament, but first we're going to go into New Testament because I want to talk about first fruits just for a second. And this is something that God establishes and uses continually. Uh-huh. So we're just going to go through three, I'm sorry, four New Testament scriptures. Go to start with Romans 11:16. If the dough offered as a first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So, well, this will build up. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 20, where it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So think about this. Christ is being first. He's not the harvest of everything. He's the first. He is God's, basically, God is giving a first fruit. Christ is the first fruits to be able to make that restitution for more to come. A little later in that, 1 Corinthians 15, 23, but in each his order, Christ the first fruits, again, in each his order, then at the coming, those who belong to Christ. So this first fruits is established. The last one is Second Thessalonians. and um, But we ought to always give thanks to God, to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So even here they're talking about now it's the uh-huh. first to be saved, the first fruits of what God's doing. So let's go back now to, um, if we can go to Second Chronicles 31.5, and we'll talk through this. So, And this is key here. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in an abundance of the, again, first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field, semicolon, Uh and, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So again, the first fruits is just what you said, George. It is acknowledging that. This harvest that we're getting, no matter what it looks like, Lord, you are the provider of it all. An increase, a harvest, uh-huh. uh, my flocks, my fruit, uh, the tenth of all these small herbs and spices. Lord, I'm acknowledging you and giving you the first because I want to acknowledge you as the provider of it all and give you glory and honor uh-huh. and praise for that. Then, once that harvest has came in and I can actually account for it and count it, I will then give the tithe because I, in order to give 10%, uh, math would tell us that we need to have an actual base number before we can calculate 10%. Exactly. Um, and so we we see this process where sometimes Christians are like, no, I will I give them the first. No, the first is before anything. And so I'll give an example of what my wife and I do because a lot of times people will be like, well, how do you do it? I don't have a sheep to give. I don't have maybe the fruit of the mm-hmm. ground. Or I mean, so I've seen people give out of their gardens and, and donate it to a church and do things like that. Yeah. But what do you do? And so my wife, Julie, and I just come up with a number. We've came up with a number. Then every month at the beginning of the month, we say, Lord, this we're just giving this, and this is before any tithes, this is before any offerings. Um, and it's between you and the Lord to come up with that number. I mean, there's not a there's not a formula for first fruits. It's very much an honor a a, a form of honoring and praising and worship the Lord, acknowledging him as the creator of it all. So in the beginning of the month, Julie and I make a donation. It literally a separate donation in the name of first fruits because we feel like um, not we feel like, we know that the Lord is the provider of it all, and we want to honor him in that. Then, as income comes in, today income would be the, the most common thing you tithe yep. on. 
Um, but you could tithe on, I mean, if it, you could tithe on a number of things. I have seen people tithe on a garden or I have seen people tithe on, um, you know, donating something that the church could use or doing yep. something that um, would benefit someone because they want to give out of their increase. So then yep. tithes. And again, we see this carried all the way over into and past Jesus's um, act on the cross where they continue to talk about Jesus as the first fruits and those saved then as the first fruits. And so God establishes this really at the beginning with Abel. And Abel, I would say in this case, God put it in his heart, and Abel, honoring God, knowing God was the creator, wanted to bring God something. And that is continued and established throughout the Old Testament um, with multiple scriptures. We've only read a few, and I didn't want to read for an hour on this, but it's very easy to go do a search on first fruits and, and look at that. And so this just goes back and what it does is it reinforces the tithe in my mind because mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging it's God's. I am honoring and praising God in it. And since I'm acknowledging in the beginning, this is God's, then when the rest of it comes in, I need to bring God his portion that he already owns that he's yep. asked us to bring. And that would be that tithe. And so you know, when you when you look at this, it's a beautiful picture uh-huh. because, um, I mean, when you look at it as Jesus as a first fruit, when you look at it as the way that the Lord established this, it just continually reminds us that God is the creator. God is the provider. God is the one we're worshiping. And in everything we do, we want to honor him and acknowledge him in that. So yeah. uh, there's my little piece on first fruits. And I think the other thing, George, uh, we probably want to talk about that you alluded to is um, let's talk about offerings just briefly. Uh-huh. And then let's talk about some of these other pitfalls that have happened of, of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Mis- mishandling twist- the idea. Some things. Well, yeah. and, and I, and I think some of them, some of the confusion that exists in different, um, different circles as to how um, charismatics view the, this type of thing. I mean, there's a health and wealth gospel. We'll deal with that in a minute um, that, that has its problems, but we need to, to, to be able to identify not everything that looks bad is bad. <laughs> you know, um, there's, 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 it's, I think what happens a lot is people throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so, you know, you get this, you get this idea. So when people today say, well, if you look back at the Old Testament and you, you counted up all the different tithes that they would, they would give to, uh, you know, charitable tithes to the home, all these different things, it actually comes out closer to around 20%, not, not just 10. Um, okay, fine. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but that doesn't negate the, the fact that the tithe is still there and that Jesus is saying, you should still do this. You know, um, you should, you should do this and be generous and have it with the right, with the right thing. Um, so there were a lot of things during the nation of Israel, um, during their time period that don't necessarily happen today. You know, there's a lot of things that they gave to that we don't we don't necessarily we don't necessarily deal with today. But that doesn't mean that the value of what was done is no longer is no longer with us. It's no longer true um, because that's just that's just not the case. You know, you see you see that standard pre-Israel and you see that standard post-Israel, and this is a timeless principle for people. So when God is saying you should do this, um, it's it's the same thing, and it's the uh, uh, the purpose of it. I'm going to make sure I see if I can get to the to the right one. Um, yes, he says. Um, so uh, uh, he says, "You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me." Even the whole nation, it's like the whole nation has stopped bringing the tithe specifically to one place. He says, bring 
all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he's, he's specifically talking about the temple at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But then he says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out to, for you such a blessing that you will not have room to contain it. And this is, I, th- I think, where people um, get worried because they they think we're t- that this is going to lead into some sort of health and wealth um, process, but that's not necessarily the case. Now, going on, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine uh, fail to bear uh, fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So this idea, it's not a, uh, it's not a formula where you give God a dollar and he gives you ten. You know, that's, that's not what, what this is saying. When, when, when God is saying, you, you know, you've, you've kept back what is mine, and therefore I am not going to, uh, I will no longer be re- rebuking the devourer for your, that, for your, for your benefit. When, when God says, test me in this, it's the only place in the Bible where God actually allows us to test him, you know? Yes. And, and, yes. you know, and it's not, it is not a pyramid scheme. It is not that, you know, how you become wealthy and healthy. This is not, this is not that what, what God is saying. What God is saying is if you do this in obedience to me, watch what I will do for you. And that, that passage, I will rebuke the devourer. When you talk about bringing the tithe, the tithe is the first 10%, not the last 10%. It's the first 10th. And sometimes what would happen is you'd bring the tithe. And there would be a storm or locusts or something that would consume a huge portion of the rest of the harvest. And now you're screwed because, you know, like, what, what's, what's going on? And, and God is saying, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Basically, I will keep this from happening to you. You know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that, that, that this, this, that, that my blessing is obvious in your life. You'll see it. Test me in this. If I don't open the windows of heaven and show you what my blessing looks like, but before I can do that, and I think this is where people have the hard time, before you can do, before God can do this on our behalf, we have to do our part. And this, this, this is, I think, where the the pitfall of the prosperity gospel happens. Now, before we even get there, here's a little uh, a little testimony from myself and, and Samantha in our own lives. So I've been married for 24 years now. The first year we were married, Samantha and I, yeah, she married me for the money, obviously. Um, so the first year we were married, um, we made just under $9,000. It was like $8,900. That was for the year. Now, just to give you an idea, we were married in, Jan- in uh, December, December 20th. So that was starting in January for the next calendar year, not the not the last ten days of December, okay? The calendar year, our tax return from the both of us was around eighty nine hundred dollars. I got to the end of the year, and I'm thinking this is stupid. We are we are so broke. It's not even funny, you know. And at the time, I wasn't handling any of the finances. I wasn't, I wasn't watching it. I, I just kind of assumed what was going on. So we got to the end of the year. It was kind of getting around Christmas and I realized this is, this is going to be a bad year. I mean, this is going to be really hard. Uh, so I asked her, I said, I asked Samantha, I said, are we tithing? And she said, well, I give, you know, what we can, you know, when we can. I went, ah, okay. This, 
this can't happen. So uh, I said, and we sat down, and I did what a husband is supposed to do. I set I set the parameters for the family, and that's that's another thing that people don't like, you know, today about actual Christianity, uh, that the husband actually does have to take the the role of the the, the chief priest in the home. So I said, okay, we can't do this. We need to tithe before anything else. And you could see, you know, fear coming over her because we're great. We're going into the heating season, you know, and things, things are expensive. At the time we were driving a piece of crap car, you know, and she's, you know, and we're still pretty newly married. She's thinking, what is going on? But as a couple, we agreed this is what we're going to do before we do anything else. So the next calendar year, our income doubled. And most people have be thinking, ooh, wow, you almost made $20,000 in a year. That makes me want to tithe, right? Um, well, that was still a 100% increase. That's right. You know, and the year after, it was a 100% increase. So it doubled again. The year after, it was a 100% increase. And and um, and basically, career wise, all of a sudden, all the roadblocks that were in my in my way and in her way disappeared. So for four years in a row, our income doubled every year, and then it it, it level you know it leveled out. Um, that is what God is saying when He's talking about test me in this. Now, are we filthy rolling in the, you know, rolling in money, you know, like, uh, like Scrooge McDuck, you know, diving into the gold, uh, you know, a swimming pool? Um, are we, are we doing that? No. Have we always had every need we've ever had met? Yes. Have we always been able to give to people? Yes. Why? Because we give to God what is His. That's, that's, that's the, the, the principle there. And, and it has to be that attitude. I mean, there, there have been times, I mean, and of course, you know, we, our income has, has, has gone up and down as, as we've made different choices and changed jobs and things. And I can remember once we, we got into a, to a pickle and, and we had, we had no idea what was going to happen. And actually it was, uh, when I started pastoring. Um, we realized that we had done something wrong with our, the way our income tax was, was, uh, was set up. Um, there was something about the pastorate in New York that I, I didn't know. And I ended up owing five grand at the, at the end of the year. I was, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the income I had in the, in professional society at that point. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so we went home, we looked at it and, and this is, this is when Samantha got me back. You know, I'm like, I, this is where we are. And she goes, It'll be taken care of. She had she had no no hesitation at all. She's like, it'll 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 be fine. It always is. God has never left us hanging like this. Within a month, it was taken care of in in ways that we had never we never would have dreamed that that would have happened. It just it was just simply taken care of. We're like, wow, that's that's just you know? awesome. I have um, my own testimony in it is before I was married, I would always tithe. I believed in tithing, but I would get to a point where I couldn't pay all my bills if I tithed. So I would literally keep a little log of my tithes. And then after a while, I'd pay my back tithe. Yep. What, a, what a crazy concept. Yeah. And um, God got a hold of me and said, no, 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 this isn't you, you're you know, this 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 10% is mine right off the top. It's not yours. Yep. And so I started to do yeah. that and just faithfully go, okay, Lord, you know what? If I'm, if I, I trust you, I trust you. And I can tell you that 
I was always able to pay my bills. I was always able to yep. do something in order to have enough money to be able to pay those bills. And, and I think there's two things here I want to um, highlight, and we're not going to belabor this, but, yep. Um, yep. you know, one is you said it, um, is that, you know, you were, you were doing various jobs. You were pursuing things in career. You and Samantha were both working. And I think that that's one thing that is, is we do have a, you know, I can't just, first of all, you have to be having an increase to be able to tithe, but we do have a responsibility to, I mean, the Bible talks about work. The Bible yes. talks about honoring your boss. The Bible talks about doing it unto him. And so as we're doing these things, we're not doing it just for the increase. I mean, Malachi does say that they'll, you know, um, if I open the door, open for you the window of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I was talking with a friend. And he's like, I can't say that that's the case monetary wise, that I don't have enough room to receive it. Uh-huh. But when I look at all the different ways that God's provided, when I look at all the blessings that I have, when I look at yep. that something's always provided for, when I'm looking, when I'm when I need direction, God's giving me a direction. It, it's 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 overwhelming to see if you recount it, just how many ways God's hand is in your life and how much he is guiding you. And again, pushing back the devourer is so that, you know, has to do with being able to to live and eat and, and and not just, you know, how much money can I store up, you know, in a vault or in the bank? I do believe the Lord blesses some people abundantly. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I don't, I will never profess to understand, you know, why this business is gangbusters and this business is mediocre and both these people, love the Lord and are serving God and tithing. There's, there's all kinds of other dynamics in play there, but it doesn't stop our responsibility yep. to honor God with what's already his. He's just asking yeah. us to bring back what is his. Yeah. And so um, I just think it's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of encouragement to, to just using this as a form of worship because that's what it is using it as yeah. a form of obedience and just honoring God in your life in this area and saying, Lord, you're the, if you're the Lord of every area in my life, then this in no way can be left out. And yeah. it does. I mean, sometimes it is scary. And sometimes we do have to literally trust in the Lord for how it's going to work out. But yeah, um, he provides. You and I both have testimonies, other testimonies. Yep. We could go into that. You shared some of yours. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But the transition now, if we can go into that, is unfortunately there are some people that yeah. look at some of these verses as a um, – formula of how to get rich is a formula for if you do this, you're absolutely guaranteed that God's just going to lavish you with money and you're going to be wealthy. And unfortunately there's people out there that, that, that you've heard it called the prosperity gospel. I mean, um, there's, there's name it and claim it. There's a bunch of stuff. And, and, and I'll say this and then George, I'd like you to kind of go into this more, but I'm a huge believer in being able to declare and decree. Um, and we've talked about that a little bit. But if the Lord tells you to declare and decree something, then you need to do it. And you need to do it, in my mind, verbally and out loud. Again, when you think about if the king gives his servant a declaration or a decree to bring to the people, the strength of it is it's got the king's seal or you've got the king's signet yep. ring or you've got it on a scroll from the king. Right? If you look at that picture of kingdoms. And so when you go out, your authority, and we've talked about authority, is based mm-hmm. on Again, the king. So if the Lord tells you to declare and decree, if he clearly speaks to you and you and you, you know, you, you know that you're not just speaking out of greed or, or, or uh, desire 
Um, certainly, in some ways, the Lord will put desires there because the Bible tells us he gives us the desires of our heart. I believe that's as long as our heart is bent towards him. But if he tells you to do that, declare that your vehicle is going to be paid off, declare that you're going to get a new job, declare that there's going to be an increase, then by all means, declare it and decree it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Speak it out loud and say it. But I can't say enough that the key there, because again, there is power in decrees and declarations, but the key is that you are declaring and decreeing what God said, not what you think you should have, right. not what you just want. And so um, that that's a huge piece of this um, because, again, there's not a, you know, do this and I'm going to get that and, and just yeah. this is a formula for me to get rich. And so the, with as with any um, scriptures and gospel, uh, I'm sorry, any scriptures and teaching, it can be twisted to fit a narrative that unfortunately is – is the reason it's in the Bible is because it's amazing and God's established this and you absolutely can depend on it. You can, mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can take it to the bank, forgive the pun, but there's also a piece where this gets twisted. And so George, if you want to start yeah. to talk a little bit about some of that as well. Yeah. What ends up happening is that people will, I don't want to say prey on, but really it's just kind of the, kind of the way it works. There, there are always going to be groups that have their, their theology is going to be based on their experience. And when you, and that's a dangerous thing. Some people think that that's the best way to do it. I think it's extremely dangerous because your experience may not be good. And just because something happened that benefited you, it doesn't mean that it's godly. It may have just been something that happened that benefited you. You know, that's, that's the thing. But what happens is when we decide that our faith is now a formula, that if you do this, you get that – that that does not work. God is not a vending machine. He's not a genie that you know. He's, it's not a lamp that we rub. That is it is has got nothing to do with it. We are we are walking in obedience to what the Word of God tells us to do. And when it comes to the comes to the tithe, and when it comes to giving, what you find is people. <sighs> I want to be careful using terms like. If you probably, I know all of you know, most people have heard something like this before. Where if you have a great need in your life, then you need to give greatly, and and the idea is that by doing the act of giving, God is going to now take notice of you and be like, oh, I guess I, oh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, and bless you. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Now you're now you're just sneezing uh, to get blessings. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Well, you know, I'm sowing seeds. Um. So the the idea is that if you sow the seed in faith, that God will take notice of you, and now He will start acting on your behalf. And that is that is just not the case. So when you have these these, these ministers, now if God is telling you, if God is prompting you to give to something, that that's one thing. But here's 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 something that I tend to to lean on. If I'm not tithing to begin with, there's no reason for me to begin to to send someone a thousand dollar faith offering. An offering is not going to if you're not even walking in the obedience of the tithe, the offering doesn't do anything because you're not even in the place where God can bless you. You're just sending money to someone to do whatever they want with. When you're looking at these 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 people, mm. I always look at what are they what are they doing with what they have now? 
You know, what are they, how are they, how are, you know, is, is, you know, why is someone on TV asking me to send them a thousand dollars in faith when they flew to their meeting in their $78 million Gulfstream with their, with their $20 million home, you know, and their $300 million net worth? Why is it that I have to act in faith so that they can move in their calling? That doesn't make any sense to me. That is a shyster. That is a charlatan. That is someone who you should never, ever, ever send money to. But then there are people who may have very large ministries, and having a debt doesn't mean you're a shyster. I'm just not. That's not what I'm saying. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But there, there are people. You watch what's going on in their life. You, you see what's what, what's happening. What they're doing with what God is giving them. Are they storing it up for themselves, or are they putting it to work? That's a that's a huge difference. So when I see a ministry like that and I think I think I want to I want to help what they're doing. I'm not going to do it because they're going to have a telethon and they're going to tell me that that you know by doing this God is going to unleash some sort of, you know, monstrous blessing on my behalf because that's not the way that works. It it is not I mean no one <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna back off and not, not go where my brain wants me to go. So it's probably a good thing. But the, the idea of the pro, the idea of the prosperity gospel is really simply this: that if you support the man of God, that God will open up a blessing for you. And that's not it. That is not it by any stretch of the imagination. We are to act in obedience to God and bring the, uh, bring the tithe. To the storehouse. The storehouse is your local church. So if you're yes. like if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're not connected to a local church and you just keep sending your money off to you know some sort of tele- televangelist that you happen to watch on TV, one, you're not part of a community. You have to be part of a community. You you need to have a place where you are sending it that is the storehouse, and uh, don't just uh, don't just be sending checks off to random people. That is that is not walking in obedience you know i mean you guys live in south carolina uh but the the organization that you're primarily associated with is in texas but they have they have satellite branches in your area you know so there's so there's 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 ways of doing this but you're still associated with a community you're still associated with with people and that's that's the difference you know i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because there are there's there's a huge organization out of texas and then there's smoke. There's local. I almost said smoke hole. That's not even a word. Um, there's local house churches, right? Satellites, yep. like you said. Um, we web stream, yep. and our primarily our primary service is the church in Texas, and so we send our tithes there. Yep. But we also do some offerings and some first fruits and some other things locally. Yep. But where that storehouse is, and there's the key: is where's the storehouse? Because yep. even the group yep. out of Texas is doing things to support their satellites, their home churches. Yep. They're doing various things. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you don't go to uh, Pastor George's church and you go to a different church, your tithe should go to your local church. Absolutely. That's how this works. Yep. If you feel you want to give, if God puts it on your heart to give um, and, and and give something uh, out of a gift. I've also seen people like the, the ministry that we're connected with um, in the large meetings, somebody will be preaching and it will resonate with someone. They're not talking about money even. They could be talking about, you know, um, just uh, restoration of family. They could be talking about a coming back to the Lord. They could be talking about, um, you know, persevering through something. And it resonates yep. with someone. I'll watch people go up and seed in something to say, Lord, I want to mm-hmm. seed into this. And if I give, it's sacrificing something of myself. So right. I'm I'm going to pray. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be obedient to you, Lord. I'm going to trust you. 
but I also want to sacrifice into this. I want to offer. So they'll seed into, you know, I'm seeding into seeing a family member because saved. I'm seeding into, Lord, I believe this healing yep. word is for me. And it's not like you have to do that, but people get motivated to where they're like, I want to give something under the Lord um, yep. that's above and beyond. In those situations, though, if all you were doing is doing giving your tithe in little pieces and offerings, that's also not a right way to do it. And so, yeah. um, in fact, I can say there's a testimony on that for me is that I used to, um, even though I was basically connected to a local church, I would split up my tithe among four or five different organizations, by the way, all of which I was drinking out of their streams, so to yep. speak. I was getting something from them. In fact, a couple of them God used in some magnificent ways in my life. Yep. But I was like divvying up my tithe. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like shuffling out cards to... And so I got convicted on that too. And the Lord was like, no, yeah. you give to this storehouse. Yep. And then if I prompt you to give to these other places, you can do that in faith. Yep. Um, and so there, again, it's, it's not, and, and, and anybody listening to this, this isn't like, okay, there's all these rules and regulations. It's just, no, yeah. 10% God's. It's not yours to begin with. Yep. Give it to the local storehouse. Or again, maybe like in my case, there is local, but there's also the main ministry, yep. which is where we give it to. Um, because the main ministry is also a church. I should say that. It's also right. a Sunday yeah. church. It's not yep. just a, a generic ministry, so to speak. Yep. Um, yeah. And but then you, as you're – go ahead. Oh, same. But you said something uh, a few minutes ago that, that, that is, the, is, is the main thing. You said above and beyond. Yes. You know, that's, that's that, that thing. And when you talk about people who uh, – I run into this constantly, people who have a certain amount of money and they do exactly what you were doing. They're like, oh, you know what? My tithe is – is, you know, X number of dollars. So I'm going to send, I'm going to send 25 to this guy and I'm going to send 25 to this guy. And, to, and I've tithed. No, you haven't. You haven't acted in obedience to God. You've acted in obedience to yourself. And now you're expecting God to bless you because you're doing what you want because you still think that money's yours. Yeah. Where, where God absolutely. said, it's mine, bring it to the storehouse. Now, here's an interesting, interesting fact for you. The average amount given by an individual in a church today is $20 a week. Hmm. Wow. If you look at most church budgets around the world, um, so if you think about it, that's $1,000 per person per year, per year. Uh, now, if you look at it on the tithe, if uh, just in the scale of a tithe, you're telling God, I'm comfortable making ten grand a year. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm I'm not comfortable with that at all. But you 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 think about that. That is the average of the of what people give in a church, and that's the reason the ma- the main reason why th- your small local community churches can't do the things that they need to be doing. Because they don't have the resources, because the people of God are robbing God, and that and that's that's painful, you know. And, and, and if you're talking about, oh, I wish the church would do more outreach. Oh, I wish we yeah. would have more integration in the community. Oh, why can't we provide these programs? Yep. And and and, and, and you're not even tithing. Again, it's not the onus isn't all on you, but. Yeah. I mean, it's it's how God God uses these. The other thing I want to say, George, and 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 before we wrap this up, is that I've heard also people go, well, I don't know that that you know, I don't know if I like what the church is giving to. I don't know if I like what they're using it for. I don't know if they I like what um, you know the church is doing with these funds. Yeah, then and why why are you still at that. that church? <laughs> well, yes, if if they're doing something that's absolutely atrocious, and and I also want to say I want to dovetail this in is the Bible tells us about you know God's. Um, 
um, servants, you know, the, his, his people being worthy of double honor. I got no problem paying a pastor a very good, a very good salary. When you think about what a person would get paid to run a company with 200 people in it yeah. and versus a pastor, again, this isn't supposed to be equated directly to business. So I have no trouble mm-hmm. paying a pastor a very, very nice wage of, yeah. you know, blessing them. But if you're not happy with what they're doing, then yeah, if you think they're doing something unethical or wrong with the money, then yeah, you probably shouldn't be a part of that church. But yeah. just because you don't agree with what they're doing doesn't mean they're not being led by the Lord. So um, we're not giving contingent on them using it right. We're saying, Lord, I'm bringing you to the storehouse. It's yours. Yeah. So now the onus falls on the pastor and that organization to be good stewards of what you've brought to their storehouse, to your storehouse that they're stewarding as well. well exactly. Um, so yeah. I think that that's the, the, the big thing. And I, I think, and I think to, to bring this full circle, if you will, back to where we started, this is, this is our responsibilities as a Christian. Yep. This is our responsibilities because as we serve the Lord, as we have yielded to him, as we've submitted to him, this is another area where in his word, clearly, he's, this is what he requires of us and yep. asks us to do. We're doing it to acknowledge him as the creator of all, the provider of all, the owner of it all. We're worshiping him, him in it, and we're giving him glory by obe- being obedient yep. to him. And that's really where this whole thing boils down to this isn't a plug for money this isn't a yep. you need to give more this is another area where the series of our podcast being called i know what the bible yep. says but yeah there's there's no but in this that's we it's clear what god requires of us yep yeah and when we don't want to when we decide that the that something like the tithe is not for today we, we have to ask whether or not the the blessing of god is for today you know and i i meet people all the time like you know we should give more <laughs> i tell them the same thing Go ahead, you know, because right now you're not giving anything, you know. Well, you know, I, and it's all it's in my experience. It's always the people who give the least that complain the most, you know. Yeah, and and a, typically because the people horrible. who are giving understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, you know. They're not just they're not just there to uh, uh, they're not waiting for God to bless them so they can give. <laughs> they're yeah. they're giving out of where they are and just trusting that God's going to do what what is right for, for them and for everybody yeah. else and that's it's just so important you know well and going back to Malachi there's not a formula I do this and I get this but yep. God says do this obedient to me yep. and I will take care of you now it's also what Jesus exemplified when he said seek ye first the kingdom and yes. his righteousness right and all these other things will be added to you do what is required mm-hmm. of you as a Christian. Honor God, glorify God, be obedient to God, and he will take care of you. It might not be exactly like you thought in the way that you thought. And certainly, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately only for our fragile patients, in the timing that we often think it should be done. But God is faithful, and God does take care of us. And um, again, we're doing this as a form of of worship and obedience to the Lord. First, First obedience and then also worship. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So in, into the, the, the question, is is the tithe for the New Testament believers? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it, it still is, and so is the offering. So our, our prayer for you guys is that you would um, seek this out for yourself, look up the passages, see if, you know, and, and be willing to ask yourself the simple question. Um, if it was before Israel, then did it die out after Israel? And of course, the answer, in, in my opinion, is no. Um, and, and I and I concur. And, yeah. and to end this, are you sure you don't? The do you? Want <laughs> I, it should probably stay. I actually have one. So, oh, all right. right over there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
Don't let tithing be the elephant in the room. Uh, yeah, okay? exactly. Yeah, right. just just do what God is asking you to do. It life is so much easier if we just do what we're asked to do uh, and do it with a cheerful heart. You know, God is always going to be there for us to bless us. So awesome. So awesome. Um, we'll be uh, late, uh, later. I think it's the beginning of next year. We're going to be talking about the uh, antediluvian. Um, you know, we're going to start getting into aliens and, sp- and conspiracy theories because why not, right? Absolutely. Uh, we may do so, a couple of um, um, history and holidays yes. in there as well. Yep. Uh, we may do a couple of things on that. Um, I, you know, one thing else, we meant to do a, uh, a Christmas one, but we're running into the time shortage here. Yeah. But that's all right. We'll, we'll do some We'll do some other ones. So stay yeah. tuned for more from In the Beginning of the Podcast. I know what the Bible says, but with yep. Pastor George. Awesome. We'll see you guys later. Lord bless. Bye-bye.